Good morning here on the West Coast. Good afternoon, those of you that are Central and Eastern, and good evening, those of you that might be on from Pakistan and India. We never know from week to week, but we're so happy that you've joined us today again for another broadcast of Spirit-Led Broadcast, Kingdom Discussions. And uh, we want to give you an opportunity. First of all, if you want to jump on the screen and uh, comments and just let us know where you're coming from. And of course, if you want your comments to show up on this StreamYard channel, we'll need you to uh, click on that link that empowers StreamYard to do its thing with Facebook. Otherwise, you'll just come up as Facebook user. But if you want to remain a ghost, that's fine too. Just say hey on the chat. Let us know where you're from and and uh, we sure appreciate you joining us every Tuesday for this time of Kingdom Discussions. And of course, today um, we have just a, a special treat and uh, just so thankful that, that God brings kingdom relationships into your life. And it's just amazing the network of God's kingdom that, you know, you, you end up entering into these divine moments i call them like almost like a kairos moment where god intersects or converges leaderships and ministries and and um today our guest is also uh part of that convergence and uh we're so excited to to bring to you this wonderful apostle of God. But let me take a moment and welcome those that are coming on. Uh, Phoenix, Arizona, God bless you. India, Pakistan, God bless you. So glad you're with us. Uh, New York, God bless you. And um, I know each one of you are, are going to be greatly blessed today. So we're going to go ahead and dive right in and we won't uh, um, delay any further, but we're so honored today to have Apostle Mark Pfeiffer with us. Hey, Apostle Mark, God bless you, friend. Oh, thank you, and I really, really appreciate you having me on today. It's an honor. So Mark is the founder and senior pastor of Open Door Church in Chillicothe, Ohio. You said that right. Yes, yes. <laughs> I, I preached there about 20 years ago. Did you? About 30 years ago. For a church was there with my motorhome so we was actually there for like three weeks and my son was like four years old and, and when he would get on the phone and talk to his nana he'd go nana i'm at chili coffee yeah <laughs> <laughs> he called it chili coffee yeah amazing how many times coffee enters this conversation right <laughs> <laughs> well that's a good discussion but Mark's also the founder and senior leader of Soma Family of Ministries and also leads the Soma Network of Schools. And Mark also, as a recent development, serves as a national conveyor of the International Coalition of Apostolic Leaders. And um, he and his wife, Nikki, uh, have been married since 1985. Congratulations. And they have three children and they have six grandchildren. So... You've been busy on all fronts of life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Important things matter, right? Important things matter. You got to put first things first. So thank you so much, Apostle, for coming on today. So if anything you want to add to our audience to kind of become more familiar with you or anything you want to say about, um, yeah. about yourself or anything. Yeah, well, thank you. Um, just in a nutshell, I grew up 
third generation, actually, minister. My Both of my grandfathers, they sang together for uh, 40-some years. They started in the 30s singing together. And then one was my dad's father. The other one was my mother's father. So that's how my mom and dad met. My dad was a pastor and evangelist. And and then my whole family, the Pifers, they were called, were singing all across America. have done that for years. They actually pastor now. And so this... This is just, you know, what we do as a family, just growing up around kind of the old time camp meetings. Uh, th- that was the forte. We did camp meetings and revivals. And those oh, come on. Yeah. So I grew up with that. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, all summer long. My dad was preaching in camp meetings. all wow. So I traveled with him. I actually left high school, took correspondence courses and played drums for the family group. That's kind of how I got into ministry. And then I actually started teaching and preaching at 19. So we would travel, and whenever I had an opportunity, I would ask the pastors if I could teach in one of their maybe teenage Sunday school classes. And most of the time, they would take me up on it. So that's how I got my start and ended up being married, going to college, going through all that route, having children, um, and traveled for a good part of my life through my 20s. And then when I was 27, started a church here in Chillicothe. We still pastor. And then that church has just grown into an apostolic network of churches. And and the schools, you mentioned the schools, we have a two-year school of ministry. So after writing the curriculum for that and creating the structure, we were able to duplicate that and transplant it in other places. So we have a network of schools, uh, a few overseas, mostly in America. And uh, so we've been married those years, kids, grandkids, and spent most of our life right here in this area. In fact, my forefathers, uh, say my great, my great great grandfather immigrated from Germany in 1856. I have his immigration papers, and so for some reason they came to Southern Ohio. I think originally to Cincinnati, which is uh, had a large German population, then came here to the kind of the south central part of the state, and this is where we still are. So we haven't fallen very far from the tree as far as that's concerned. That's awesome. And I noticed that I've been leaving the P sign, but you said Piper. So yeah, I for some reason, I, I've, I've never figured that out. You know, everybody says Pfeiffer. I, that's just how everybody pronounces their ne- this name. But my family, my little group of, of uh, our tribe, we might say, we pronounce that P. So however you want, you know, Got it. Got one it. Of those things. I'm, I'm sure the same thing too with your oh. name probably gets pronounced in different ways. Well, Mark, my introduction to you actually was uh, a book you wrote, and I'm going to put on the screen here. Um, the book that I'm referring to is called Apostles Then and Now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, you can get that at uh, the Arsenal is one of the locations that I found the book, and that's where Jennifer bought it from. And she gave it to me after she read it. And um, just an incredible uh, layout, very, very, uh, not only very profound with understanding, but just very practical. And of course, it, it, the, the, the book focuses mainly on uh, the ministry of apostles and how it functions with the church today, which is so important because, you know, we have uh, so many different uh, teachings out there that are um, uh, important with pastors and evangelists. And, and that's one reason why I started the uh, what was originally the International Network of Apostles and Prophets, like we called it, but then it became Spirit-Led Family, was to help bring understanding uh, to 
the apostolic and to kind of debunk a lot of the uh, myths. And of course, also you have a book called The um, Alignment, a blueprint for 21st century church, which you can find at Amazon, this particular book, which is also another uh, good book on uh, aligning uh, the different uh, parts of the fivefold ministry. So um, just this book was just so uh, such, such a confirmation for me uh, because, you know, my story kind of goes along with yours, you know, was called to preach at 12 and started evangel, you know, speaking out at 16 and 19 went full-time in ministry and, and pretty much for 35 years, that's all I did was preach around the world and do camps and conferences. But it was about 2002 that God began to deal with me about my apostolic mantle. And um, where I was, I had never heard one person in the, in the denomination right. that I came up in called apostle. Never mm -hmm. one time. And all of a sudden, God began to have me do a deep dive, not only into mm -hmm. the reality of the, of the APES, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, and teacher, but also kingdom, kingdom teaching, kingdom function. What is the kingdom? And, um, you know, uh, and I began to teach and write materials before I ever found anything out there. Mm -hmm. I think the first book I came across that really confirmed all the stuff that God was giving to me just straight out was um, C.P. Wagner's book. But uh, your book also just follows in that same vein. And so why don't you talk a little bit about how God prompted you to write these two books and what their intention is for the body of Christ. Okay, thank you. Uh, while you were talking, I had this vision in my mind of Moses when he saw the burning bush. It said he turned aside. And I think that what we have in common, we saw something far off that we thought needed investigating. And then we just kind of headed that way to try to investigate it. From from my perspective here in the southern half of Ohio, it's not a highly populated part of the world. And it's not a part of the world where there's a lot of intersection of like new ideas and things like that coming down the pike. And uh, I was raised in a very conservative denomination, but not Pentecostal. That, that, that was kind of the, the strange part about what we did. We did not believe in speaking in tongues. Therefore, anything that was Pentecostal and then later in the charismatic renewal, we rejected entirely. Wow. So when I, when I left that denomination, I feel like I've just been left alone in the desert for a long, long time. And uh, consequently, it's been like 40 years. And <clears throat> During that time, like you said, these were subjects when I read the Bible, it's like there I could find no reason why we accepted teachers, pastors, evangelists, and then drew a line. I saw no indication anywhere, any evidence in Scripture that said there's supposed to be a line there and that God doesn't do that anymore. And so I'm not a cessationist. I, I am a continuist. I'm, I believe that the Bible becomes the pattern. It is the blueprint by which ministry should be built certainly different in different cultures, certainly different in different times, but the core message and structures need to be duplicated throughout time. And, and, and I just did it. You talked about doing a deep dive. It's exactly what I did for years, you know, for two or three decades. And I needed to get something that was going to work practically. And a lot of the definitions and things that I would hear about, especially prophets and apostles, it was so vague. It was you had to read the definition 15 times to try to maybe get the idea of what an apostle should be. And then I found out that 
So many people were describing, especially an apostle, as just a greater version of their own gift. So right. pastors defined apostles as great and wonderful shepherds. Evangelists defined apostles as great and wonderful soul winners and miracle workers. And teachers, oh, apostles have great revelation. It's like, no, they are not a duplication of the previous gifts just in greater measure. There is a uniqueness about that gift that, that the body of Christ needs. And then I, I worked from that assumption and worked f- trying to build something practically that local churches could implement, that people could understand. And it's, it's really amazing, John. Simplicity takes more work than things that are complicated. To, wow. to, to make it simple takes a lot more work to, to boil it down to its most fundamental elementary structure. Yeah. Mark, could you break that thought down? Simplicity takes more work than something complicated. Break that yes. down. Well, it's a little bit like uh, one of the laws of thermodynamics is that sa- things move from an, a, a place of order into chaos. Okay. And there's, it's almost like Jesus gave us a simple message. And then we complicate it. Um, Paul gave, now, I wouldn't say Paul's message is simple because Paul, when you get through the book of Romans and then go on to Hebrews, and it's not simple. It's very deep. But yet the message of the gospel is simple. And it, it is human tendency to add a little bit and to add a little bit and to add a little bit. And how about your life? You know, most everybody watching uh, this broadcast will say that your life has a tendency to move into to being overly complicated till one day you just throw up your hands and say, I, I, I got to get, I'm, I'm too busy. We're spending too much money. I, I'm not sure where the time is going. The kids are running as ragged. It's like your life has a tendency to become complicated. You got to fight to keep it simple. Okay. So, so I think there's something natural about human beings and about the way we interact with each other and with the world that we have a tendency to take simple things. And then over time we've, add to them these complicated layers until it's almost uh, un, unreasonably hard to fathom what it is. You know, Mark, forgive me for breaking in here, but this is just such a, there's such a key word here because yes, the apostolic is really simple. Everything about the kingdom is simple. Yeah. When I first was really pursuing and wanted to know more about the apostolic prophetic and about apostles and prophets, I actually went to a conference. I'm not going to say where or who it was, but um, I went to a conference in 2010, three days. And this apostle, he was he taught, and he had this big blackboard, and it looked like he was doing a fusion technology on it. Mm-hmm. There were so many diagrams and points and this and that. And I sat there for three days, took pictures of the blackboard, but then left there and even looked at it for days but could not figure out what an apostle was. I mean, I heard it all, but it was just so convoluted and so just so many steps and complications of this and that, that, you know, and I I think that the more we can really break down, especially when we're doing these types of empowering meetings, that someone can walk away and understand, you know, that there are marketplace apostles. There are apostles that are generals. There are apostles that are fathers, but it's simple and it's, it's not complicated to find your vein. Yeah. And the gift never died. It wasn't like we're reestablishing the apostolic ministry. The apostolic ministry has been here since Christ. It is just that we've used other names. Like, for instance, in my denomination, we called people district superintendents, general superintendents, when in fact they're, and, and I'm not about the title. 
call yourself bishop, I, whatever you want. That's that's not the title is not the issue. It's the function. Right. It is a gift given by Jesus Christ to certain members of the body of Christ to be able to lead in such a way where they're where they're taking new territory. It's 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 groundbreaking leadership that has always been there. You look at people all throughout history: John Wesley, Martin Luther. Yeah, you, you look at at, at Charles Parham and and William Seymour in the in the Pentecostal ranks, and and then people today that do hold the term bishop or the place of a bishop or maybe district superintendent that do apostolic ministry. Now, I'm I'm not sure that that every person that holds that title is, is truly gifted apostolic. Some of them are really teachers, and and that's an, maybe another subject, but. My point is, it, it is not complicated, and it's not spooky, scary, and it's not this 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 kind of remote thing out here in the atmosphere somewhere that that people can't wrap their brains around. It's it's so simple. I think we miss it. So you, you're part now, uh, not excuse me, you've been part and leading with John P. Kelly, uh, Apostle Kelly, mm-hmm. International Coalition of apostolic leaders. And um, uh, for those of you that may not be familiar with this, you can just go to iCalLeaders.com. And I do want to mention there is a Master Builders Global Gathering coming up November 13th through 17th that if you want to know more about iCal and this uh, network that um, uh, Apostle Mark is the uh, national convener and leader for, uh, you can go to iCalLeaders.com and get more information, especially if you want to register for the upcoming conference, that's going to be a great time to connect with mm-hmm. uh, leaders of iCal and learn a little bit more about what iCal provides to uh, apostolic leaders. Mm-hmm. But um, <clears throat> uh, talk, talk a little bit about what the uh, vision and how iCal was birthed and how you came about uh, becoming the convener for this uh, network. Okay. Originally, back in 1999, there were a group of people that got together who had apostolic revelation. And that just means that through the 90s, they really understood that gift. And they began to use the terminology and terminology, maybe some parts of the body of Christ today take for granted. They met in Singapore in 1999. And long story short, they developed uh, an organization for what was what was termed a professional society. That is just people coming together to interact with each other, to dialogue with each other. And most famously, it was led by Peter Wagner for a number of years, I think until about 2013. I I may be off a year or two there when he gave it to John Kelly. John was originally in that group back in 1999 in Singapore. Uh, So I got involved in 2004, and uh, that's when I met John Kelly, the man that I was associated with had been my spiritual father. Uh, He moved out of ministry. And so it kind of left me in a in a no man's land in some respects because I I I believe every pastor needs pastored, and so I I needed someone that would shepherd me in that regard. And uh, to use the term pastor there may not be completely appropriate, but I needed someone as a covering, and that's when I met John Kelly in 2004, and he invited me to be a part of the International Coalition of Apostles. By that time, I was leading a, a network of churches many that had been birthed out of our churches and some of them that had come alongside us. And uh, it, it was it was delightful. I mean, the first conference is just mind-blowing that you go to because there's so many apostolic leaders from all over the world. 
and and people you've never heard of. That's the thing. It's like, well, you know, we have people that are more like Christian celebrities and we know their names and the books they write and so forth, but you've never heard of these guys. And, and then to see what they're doing around the world is absolutely incredible. And it, it, it always blows my mind just a little bit more every year that I go. So I've been going every year since then and then got more and more involved and, and uh, was the international director, worked a lot with the international coalitions Around the world, we believe every nation needs its own coalition. So we have Brazilian Coalition of Apostles, um, Kenyan Coalition of Apostles. In Europe, we have French Coalition of Apostles, etc. So uh, I, I served in that role for a number of years and just most recently took the lead for the U.S. Coalition of Apostolic Leaders. And Joe Matera actually founded that as one of our coalitions in ICAL back in 2010, I believe. I believe that's right. Maybe maybe it wasn't quite that long ago. Maybe it was around 2013. I think he I think he led it for 10 years. And so most recently, back in June, uh, I've taken the lead of that. And so that's that's how actually, John, you and I kind of connected is through all of those connections. And like you said at the beginning of the talk, there is a convergence and it is amazing how God puts people together. So we are presently uh creating regions, usually five state regions, 12 basic regions in the United States. And we are organizing uh, apostolic roundtables where apostles and prophets and their spouses. That is something that, matter of fact, the first thing I did is I talked to my wife when I was given this opportunity and just said, Nikki, I don't want to do this if without you. This is going to be us doing it. And so we give these people a seat at the table, the, the apostles, the prophets. We give their spouses a seat at the table. And it's for connection, dialogue, access to new ideas, exposure to people that you don't know, and maybe ideas that you don't know. And believe that what we do is on a strategic level. And then on the, on the local level, that would be the church, for instance, that I pastor, the churches that are part of our network of ministries, there is where the execution of the mission takes place. It's on the ground level. What we do in ICAL and in the U.S. Cal is on a strategic level where we're bringing people together for dialogue and new ideas and um, hopefully, prayerfully, to see renewal and revival in local churches, in the lives of moms and dads and pastors and leaders all over America, because I don't think anything short of an absolute, call it whatever you want. You can just say reformation, restoration. You can use the different words to describe it. Revival, of course, awakening, whatever. God is doing something remarkable in America, and it's happening on such a personal level. It may not get the headlines that it deserves, but God is doing some amazing things. Well, one thing that stands out to me, and I'm going to kind of t dive into a little talk here. There might be an elephant in the room, and I don't, I don't mean to put you on the spot, Apostle Mark. And if, I, if, if it is, I apologize to you. I'm not intending that. But I'm just going to be very candid and talk about just kind of my limited view of, of, of apostolic networks and, and, and what's been going on over the past 10 years. Um, the kingdom of God is about relationship. It's governed by relationship. It's really about family too. Mm -hmm. Yes. 
but it seems that in the past 10 years, I've seen apostolic networks that have risen, and it seemed that their focus and their intention was to build a network. Yes. To gather people in, expect them to be loyal to their brand, to their mark, and to uh, uh, you know build what I call a pyramid. And I think a lot of the problem with the modern-day church is the pyramid structure that really is about building one great leader or a couple great leaders mm -hmm. instead of empowering the army of God that is being raised to impact through society, which I believe that's the interpretation of Ephesians 4, 11 through 14, is that the, the apes, the, the, the fivefold, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the shepherd, and the teacher are uh, called to equip believers to go into impact. Mm -hmm. I heard recently it was saying that in in leadership within the body of Christ, less than one percent are considered full time. Mm -hmm. Most are vocational, and most are, are are have some influence in other areas. And 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 so what what I'm getting to as a question for you or something you need to comment on is um, what makes <clears throat> ICAL different about gathering and the intention? Because uh, I you know I do believe that that uh, the relational aspect is so vital and, and that can be lost when a, when a organization comes together and it becomes a hierarchy structure mm -hmm. that's, uh, you know, all about, like you said, empowering leaders that are already powerful. Yes. Empowering leaders that already have a big name and, and a lot of money and a lot of ministries and they just mm -hmm. pull on board. And I've even watched, and forgive me for saying this. I hope I'm not offending nobody. Where you got all these networks, and then leaders from this network join that network, and they join their network, and they're joining each other's networks by name, just to be part. But really, it's it's all about working the angles and strategizing, mm -hmm. and it's not about kingdom. And this has been something that I've said, God, this has got to shift. Yes, everything about true apostolic ministry that is mandated from from Ephesians 4 and 11 through 14 is that the nature and the, and the, and the, 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 the uh, purpose of, of Christ is, is developed within the body and people are developed to impact through society. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's about that relationship and, and empowering others. So I've kind of talked in a circle, but if you can take that web of what I just said and yeah. with, with some yeah. sense of what ICAL is doing and the, and the direction you see ICAL going. Yes, and I, I agree with everything that you said. I think we have to go back and just say that probably as the gift of apostle has been defined and is being defined, that probably some of the wineskins were temporary and needed to be used in a temporary fashion but are breaking. I would say the structure that this wine is being put into needs to change. And I think you're hundred percent right. Organizations reflect the heart and soul of those in the organization. Organizations are benign, but it's the heart and soul of the people that occupy the organization, especially those in leadership. One of the things that is maybe a tragic reality from my generation, I'm 60 years old, is that we came into ministry with the, distinct possibility of becoming celebrities. Now, if you'd go back a hundred years, pastors knew when they accepted the call to preach, they're not going to be celebrities. They're going to serve people, lay down their life, and give their life for the sheep. 
But whenever mass media, first radio and then television, became so influential in the church, those being raised up into ministry, let's say in the 70s and 80s, and came of age during those two decades, actually had a distinct possibility that they could become famous. They could be a TV star. They could, they could be known. They could be a Christian celebrity. And therefore, we have a number of people that are still motivated by some of that. And that's why they join all the different types of networks there are, because their hope is that they'll get to know someone who'll know someone, and they get promoted, and they can have their own TV show, or they can become a celebrity and get their books published or whatever. And I, I've got to believe that God loves us enough to just bring us back into alignment. And, and that alignment is leaders who know that if you're in leadership, you are there to wash feet. You are there to serve people. You are there to build them up. Come and on. Part of leaders, pastoring churches and leading networks, it has to be that hard. And, and I, I think that when, when, you see what happened this past year uh, in in Kentucky at Asbury. We have a lot of connections to Asbury. We're, we're in the southern part of Ohio, so it's just across the river. And Asbury was our college, by the way. Like, if you went to seminary, you went to Asbury. So my dad interacted with people during the revival of Asbury back when Dennis Kinlaw was there in the early 70s and then most recently. But what we see there, what we see there is – is the Holy Spirit moving on young people in a way that was so personal without superstars, without people, famous people leading or using the leverage of their name recognition to try to bring others in. And I think God made a statement and is making that statement to us right now. In fact, not a lot of people know this, but I don't know the president of that college personally. I do have, I do know some of the professors there uh, the first week that I heard about that outpouring, three days, it, it happened on a Wednesday, I think it was Sunday night. I wrote, I, I prayed about it and I thought, no, I'm going to do this. I, I wrote an email and his assistant actually did get back with me and, and thanked me for it. But the email that I wrote the president was, God's doing an incredible thing, but here's what's going to happen. There is a revival culture out there and you're going to start attracting people who really don't even know where Wilmer, Kentucky is on the map. And they don't have a heart for your college and they don't really have a heart for your students. And they've never heard about it, but, but, but they're going to show up. And if those people start showing up, it'll displace the students who need to be at the core of this. And while God's spirit in a particular place is worth going to witness and going to experience, we had people from our church go down there, and when I spoke to them, I was always very clear, give room to the students. That's their outpouring. You're, you're, you're 60. I'm 60. 60. You're 70. Okay? Let the students have this because the moment that leaders are going to try to leverage a revival to promote their own celebrity is the moment the Holy Spirit will withdraw from it. And, um, well, I mean, there were a few people that really tried to leverage that revival and take a lot of selfies and have a lot of videos made with themselves at the center. And um, I don't know their motive, but I will say that if the motive is to promote yourself in the midst of that, it's wrong. And we should repent of that, especially as leaders, because we're 
as a leader, you may be well-known. And, and the more, the more well-known you are, Moses was very well-known in Israel when they came out of Egypt. That's not the issue. But the issue is to be motivated by celebrity. America has a celebrity culture. And whenever we subdue to a celebrity culture and that becomes our motive, we need to repent and understand that as leaders, especially apostles, read what Paul said about apostles when he wrote to the Corinthians, the, the off-scourings of the world, like those most to be pitied are the apostles because they were the ones that were literally laying down their lives. And I want to tell you, all over the world, there are people today laying down their lives. And, and they don't get their picture on the cover of magazines to tout on their social media pages. But they're the heroes. And these are the people that we got to praise God for. And whatever it takes, let's lead. But let's lead in such a way that our hearts are right. And not for ourselves, but for the sake of the sheep. And when you and I are judged, John, before God, God's not going to ask about our Facebook followings, how many likes we got. He's not going to ask about our social media pages. God is going to look over our shoulder and say, what did you do with my sheep? How did you, how did you treat my sheep? Did you feed them? Did you care for them? Did you bring them into greater pastures? And it's about the sheep. And if we make it about us, and it's easy to do, and I'm not saying I've never done it. God forbid. I'm, I'm not attempting to throw a single stone. I'm just talking to myself more than anyone else, but it's about his sheep. And I think any organization is going to reflect the heart of its leaders. And I, I, I believe in, in ICAL. Listen, the leaders that I know, they have that heart. They have that heart. The leaders that I know and I hang with and I have coffee with, and I eat with and, and, and minister in their churches and they in mine. They're good people. They have a heart for God's people. And I'm very thankful for that. And, and I do believe that everything does rise and fall in leadership. That is a principle that is true. And it's refreshing. It's refreshing to hear this from your heart, Mark. Because I that's, believe that's John Maxwellism, you know. Yeah. 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 So so John was part of our little denomination I was raised in. He went to okay. the the college that actually I graduated from. Yeah. It's refreshing to hear that because I believe that shift <clears throat> that you mentioned earlier is happening. And I, I, I also have a heart for and, and pray for the leadership of the Ecclesia and the body of Christ and, and all the different forms and fashions. It's like I tell people, I was talking to a young man this morning and I said, I'm not against denominations. I'm for kingdom. And, and sometimes being for kingdom, people think I'm against, and that's not the case. God uses God uses ministry in all shapes and forces, but it's refreshing to, to know that there are leaders being raised that are willing to lay their lives down. And as someone once said, lay down face first in the mud to let sons and daughters walk on their back to enter their destiny. Right. And, and, and understanding that as an apostolic father, that sons and daughters have a right to your table. You yes. have a right to your plate. Yes, yes. You can take a piece of your steak anytime God says share your steak. And because that's the whole breaking our lives to share and to, and to pour. And so it's, it's a departure from, from building an image of being someone powerful and kind of that general concept where all, everybody trembles and follows and, and whatever you say and, and, and we're going to serve you and everyone's clamoring around to serve this general because he's such a great 
And that's kind of, I grew up with those types of leaders that were generals, not many fathers. Yeah. But I believe God is producing a generation of apostolic fathers and mothers that are willing to lay their lives down and to serve one another. And, and I just, I prayed the other day, I said, God, just whatever you want me to be part of in your kingdom, just, I don't, I, I don't like the spirit of, of politics. Uh, I'm talking about being political. I'm not talking about being involved in government. That's perfectly right. fine to be involved in government, but just that idea of, of using the fear of man and, and working angles and doing things, you know, coming to meetings just to hand your card out to see whose pulpit you can scratch around in and get a couple preaching gigs or sell your book or mm-hmm. advertise. And everyone's just kind of using each other's influences to move themselves forward. And it's just a mm-hmm. toxic competitive environment. That's, that's just, you know, and I said, God, that's just, that's not it. But I, it's refreshing to hear that God is raising, you know, a, a truly relational network of, of, of powerful men and women of God, they're servants at heart, serve as kings, serve with authority, knowing their function and knowing what God's called them to do. But they're not there for themselves. And it's not about them. Mm-hmm. It's about a generation coming up. Yes. That God wants to raise spiritual mothers and fathers, <laughs> bring up sons and daughters to become mothers and fathers in the kingdom so that nations can be influenced cities can be influenced every sphere of society can be influenced and yes leaders within their within their right whether it be a leader in business a leader in education a leader in government a leader in sports arenas a leader whatever to lead with kingdom values and principles so well, I was uh, what, really me, what really encouraged me, John, let me just say this, is yes. I think young people are grasping this concept, even, even though they don't realize it fully. I don't see the, the fostering of that image, like you talked about, that was so prevalent in my generation. I don't see ki- uh, people my kids' age, which my children range from 28 down. I don't see young people actually emulating that. I don't see them um, attracted to that. They're attracted to a completely different model, which actually, in many cases, is more kingdom than what we've experienced. Yes, sir. Um, I was going to close with um, um, with your permission. Um, I would like to uh, just read the definition that the U.S. Cal Prospectus, if you don't mind me reading it from the Prospectus, mm-hmm. if that's okay with you. But your definition of the kingdom of God and the gospel of the kingdom and the church was so spot on. And the definition that that you, you that was written in the Prospectus was that the kingdom of God is the rule of God presented by Jesus when he announced it and deposited into the hearts and lives of those who put their faith in him. After Pentecost, it was expanded through the church and is now being extended into society, influencing every sphere of culture in the nations of the earth for Christ. Mark, when I read this, this is what God spoke to me 12 years ago that changed my life. Because I climbed the ladders. I did all the 
self promotions, and I'm 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 embarrassed at it. All the, you know, jockeying for positions and attentions, and just not really loving and caring and wanting to see the kingdom of God formed in the lives of nations. Yes, I've gone to Ethiopia and spoke to a million people in open field, but you can reach a point in your ministry that you learn to just move a crowd with oratory and voice inflection mm -hmm. and emotion. Thankfully, God allowed me to become stripped of all of that. And this is what I believe is so desperately needed. It's for the kingdom of God to become activated in the hearts and lives of people to influence the sphere of society. And I'm with you. I don't think we're going to reach our nation. We're not going to reach the generation of the millennials and others with what's worked before. Yeah. Never. I believe there has to be a shift. Yes. There has to be a transition. There has to be an awakening. So we're out of time, and I'm sorry. I fell apart emotionally, and I know we don't do that. But uh, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Um, and I look forward to having you on again and being able to um, just have another discussion about the the power and the, the, the beauty of the kingdom of God. Amen. And I would love to, uh, I'd love to be on again whenever you want. Let me know. We hope you were blessed, edified, and strengthened by today's ministry and message. If you would like to know more about Spirit-Led Family Relational Network, please visit www.spiritled.net. We would love to come alongside you, align with your vision, and help to empower you to reach your destiny. May the Lord richly bless you, and thank you for joining us today on this time of sharing of God's word, anointing, presence, and power.